0: Hi, welcome back to another episode of Cycling Talk podcast with me, Georgia Mahoney. I released my first episode of the podcast way back in July 2020 with Cameron Mason. Well, today, Cam has kindly come back onto the podcast to talk about what he's been up to since we last spoke. So welcome back, Cam. You are my first ever guest on the podcast. i really excited to have you back for a catch up. Let's go back to November 2020 and an incredible bronze medal for you in the under-23 cyclocross European Championships. Talk me through your hopes going into the race and how it went for you.
1: Yeah, so that's yeah just over a year ago now that I did Euros and yeah going into it I was I didn't really know what to expect like it was a new course for me in the Netherlands um, and. I knew also that the Belgians weren't going to be there because of COVID. So I knew like there were some things possible, but yeah, at the time I didn't know what was possible. So, um, yeah, just got on with it, got a not bad start and then realized that the front of the race was just right there. So I tried to put myself in all the right positions and when the race really kind of opened itself up, I was in, I was in a place that I could kind of follow the wheels and then, and then push through and, I found myself in that kind of second and third position with uh, Thomas Mean, who's also from Great Britain, and we battled it out on the last lap and only finished a couple of seconds behind Ryan Camp. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it feels like a lot has changed since then, even in the space of a year. But uh, the good thing is I'm still, yeah, at the front of cross racing. So I guess that's that hasn't really changed.
0: A couple of weeks later at the Prestige Merx class, you crashed in the sand and break your collarbone can you tell me what happened
1: yeah so yeah literally just yeah a week or two later on the first lap of Merck's class I was going through the sand and I was following a rider in and in Merck's class it's it's just like an artificial sand pit but it's quite rough quite bumpy so you're within the kind of sand rut but it's kind of like almost like moguls um, and when I was I as the other rider hit the sand, they slowed and I kind of went into the back of them at the same Mm -hmm. time as going over these bumps and just kind of came off and fell onto my left shoulder and all my weight kind of went through the one shoulder and it broke my collarbone. So, um, I had never broken a bone before then, but I realized pretty quickly that, yeah, that's what I had done. So I just kind of Mm
0: -hmm.
1: climbed off. Yeah. Went to the medical tent and they took me to the hospital and I got surgery the same day to, to fix it back up. And, it all happened very quickly, but yeah, now I look back on it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it kind of started a a bit of a bad run of injuries and recovering from injuries. And it feels like I've spent the last year just between recovering from an injury and then getting injured. So, yeah, it's not particularly nice to look back on and just, Merck's class was one of the last races we just did and uh going back to that race was a bit like mm, yeah like I I've, I definitely went back to that race as a totally different rider um in the past year I've learned a lot um so that was interesting but yeah it's still it was significant it was the start of a kind of significant part in my kind of bike riding so um good to go back and do an okay race and and get out of the way and now we are moving on to the next the next races
0: and how quick was your recovery after that? it wasn't
1: so bad really the collarbone it was yeah four to six weeks of uh being pretty gentle with it and then I was able to start back pretty much hundred percent training um I trained all the way back up to to hopefully start the world championships towards the end of the season and then one week before worlds I crashed and uh injured my knee uh the kind of meniscus in in the joint so and I tried to kind of work through that just kind of four or five days before worlds, but I wasn't getting anywhere with it and was doing more damage. So I had to pull out from worlds and then go home and then recover from this, this injury, which took to actually longer than the, the collarbone. Um, with the bone, it was pretty simple. I had no issues with the joint. Whereas with the knee, it was, yeah, I was getting pain on the bike for quite a lot of months uh, after that. So that kind of yeah made the start of this year a little bit more a little bit tricky but if it like just saying that out loud that it was the start of this year it feels like years ago already Um, mm. it yeah it's amazing how much time can just yeah move on and you forget these things but it was only at the start of this year that I was trying to fix a knee injury um, mm. which I, I did get over and and it turned out okay after that yeah
0: so as you mentioned, your hopes for the World Champs ended after that weekend. How did you feel watching the Worlds and what did you think of the course and venue?
1: Yeah, so I, I basically I drove back from Belgium on the same day as Worlds that I would have been racing. So I guess that gave me something to do. So I didn't really watch much of the racing. Um, from what I did watch, I realised that the course probably wouldn't have suited me that well. So I don't know if I could. If I was on my best shape, it doesn't really matter what the course would have been like. But, it, yeah, it's not like I was missing out on this perfect opportunity to have a good Worlds. Yeah, the course wasn't perfect, the amount of sand and and this and that. And my run-in definitely wasn't perfect with with the racing and the crashing. So, yeah, it was what it was. Like, I, yeah, through the week leading up to Worlds, I'd gone through all of the different emotions of, like, do I start and just and just maybe try and finish or dnf and but then i was just weighing up all the different options of yeah if if i start then i have to go through quite a lot of mental things just to get to the start line and then once you're there what what you looking what was i looking to achieve and it probably wouldn't have been that much so um it was just weighing up what was kind of going to be more sustainable for me and yeah, looking back at it now, I've made the right decision under the circumstances, and yeah, one World Championships is not gonna define define my career. So to kind of look after my body a bit more at the time, it feels yeah hopeless. You're just like oh, like missing the most important race of the year, but overall, it it yeah it does it does even out.
0: And following your recovery, you got onto the mountain bike. How were you feeling starting the mountain bike season? And did you have any goals?
1: Yeah, I was super excited to start mountain bike. Um, the program that Trinity were offering with the World Cups and all these international mountain bike races, it's something I would dreamed of since I was little, racing racing mountain bike. So all the hard work I put in for the mountain bike season, I was super excited to, to use that. And yeah, the, the season started well in Austria. Uh, but then very quickly wasn't going well uh, because I crashed the two days after the first race and badly kind of broke my uh, humor so that was yeah just right back full circle again just being in a hospital yeah Mm. eating terrible food and just yeah not really enjoying myself so yeah it, it was again it was it was what it was at the time um but yeah, like we just discussed it just it was starting to feel like that kind of cycle never-ending like recovering from injury getting back mm-hmm. crashing all this and um that was yeah the kind of third strike which was not yeah definitely the worst of, of them all
0: so was it really affecting uh how you were feeling both physically and mentally
1: yeah i mean physically it was the worst of them all just because of how much damage i did to the elbow and the surgery that was needed to kind of put it back together mentally i think by that time i didn't have a huge amount of energy to kind of overthink it i think like it's actually maybe more the small injuries that can get in in your head more uh because you can make a small injury seem like a massive thing whereas when i did my elbow there were people telling me like yeah like the elbow might never it won't ever be perfect again Uh, so they're saying all these big stuff like yeah like it's going to take months and years to get back from this thing and that actually probably yeah when it when it's put to you like that you're like oh well this is really bad like how much can I actually do whereas when you have a little injury it's all in your head and that's the kind of difference Um, and that kind of same logic applied when when I was recovering from my elbow um, as I was able to do more things um, it just showed more the things that I couldn't do. Uh, so I could do some things, but I was still held back. Whereas when I was in hospital, like, of course, you can't go and ride your bike. Of course, you can't go run up a hill. Uh, whereas when I was just recovering and in the sling and all this, I felt I felt like a normal person. I could go to the shops, I could do all this, but I couldn't do the the things I actually really love, which is going fast mm. being outside that type of thing. So It was that kind of middle, maybe two, three months that were really quite difficult where I just couldn't use my arm properly, but I could still kind of do normal things. So that, yeah. At the time, I kind of, I tried to find new things, new hobbies, yeah, things to kind of distract me, but I was quite worried about like refocusing too much. I I didn't want to lose any of the kind of, passion and like I all of the frustration I had around not riding my bike I was like oh it's a good thing like it means I really I really want to ride I really want to train all this stuff but at the time I should have totally switched off that part of of my brain which yeah it's really hard to do but it would have been the best for me to yeah just put that to bed I can't think about it can't do any of that you just need to focus on doing things right now that you can do that'll make you They'll make you happy, so
0: you shared a YouTube video which was actually quite hard to watch. was it hard to express how you were feeling
1: yeah uh I can't really remember what I said in the YouTube video now like uh yeah, I remember reading nice comments about it though, and people saying that they had felt a similar way and with their different injuries and that's that's nice to hear um but yeah it it's a weird thing to reflect on because at the time I think I did talk about this in the video is that at the time it feels massive and it feels really big and scary, but always as, yeah, as time passes, passes, it never feels so bad. And it's, it is hard to reflect. Um, and I think over the last year I have learned to kind of, it's in, it's important to look back to realize maybe how hard something was or how good something was, uh, but not to kind of linger on it too much because, you can't really change any of that stuff so um there are of course like lessons to be learned and things like this but yeah you just need to kind of keep on moving on and and just keep keep the rhythm going.
0: In August you're on another type of bike winning your first race back a road race how did that feel?
1: It was unexpected again like um I had been on the bike for a month or so and when I was injured and I couldn't ride my bike, I was doing a lot of running and I think my fitness never really went away. Like naturally I have a, I'm an endurance athlete. I don't think that's ever really going to change. So, um, it's nice to look back on and realize that that won't, ha- that won't change in the future. Like if I need to take time off, then I think it's, it's nice to have that knowledge now that it's not going to be the end of the world. So coming back onto the bike wasn't too hard the first week or two were quite uncomfortable just more to do with the elbow but just when you don't do something for four or five months it's yeah you're it's going to feel weird so and then going back into the road racing was because I couldn't ride off-road because I hadn't built back all my muscles so I decided road racing would work and um I learned lots in the first few races but yeah, I won the first race mainly just on kind of brute force. Like I didn't really, my tactics weren't very good, um, but I just kind of brute forced my way to the front and then won from the breakaway. So yeah, it was nice. It showed that even with issues that you can you can come back and it, it, it just kind of showed a little bit of what was to come. But um, even that feels like months and months and months ago now, yeah. different, a totally different time.
0: Can you tell me about the Duke's Weekender?
1: Yeah, so it's a two-day gravel event uh, around the Queen Elizabeth Forest, which is this massive Forestry Commission area um, near Stirling. And the format is like enduro, so it's it's a set loop. And then within that, there's little stages that are timed. And it's the overall time of those stages. So it's kind of like, like Tour de France, but all in like one day. You, you race these individual stages. Um, and the winner is the the best overall time so on this on the Saturday it was the hill climb which was just three minutes just full gas up this off-road climb uh, and then on the Sunday there were six stages off-road and yeah it's all off-road some of it's single track so you could race it on a mountain bike on a gravel bike you probably wouldn't want to race it on a road bike I think you'd you probably get uh, too many punctures but um, it's the first time I'd done this event, and it suits me pretty well. Like all of the efforts around, kind of five, 10 minutes, and coming from kind of saddle it suits me well. Just that kind of all out effort. Um, but yeah, the whole weekend was was super fun, and I was I, I won it as well, so that was a bonus.
0: And then you came third in the British Gravel Championships. How was that race, and were you happy with the result?
1: Um, I wasn't happy with the result, but yeah, it was what it was. The race was cool. It was uh, 70 Ks, three laps of a circuit, pretty much pan flat. There were a few kind of rolling hills, um, but all off-road and super fast, close racing. So we averaged 35 K an hour uh, for two hours, which off-road is super fast. And it was kind of a mix between cross country and cyclocross and gravel. So it suited a lot of different riders and the winning breakaway that formed was myself, Ryan Christensen, a pro road rider and Alistair Brownlee, a triathlon uh, Olympian. And so, yeah, we all had our different strengths uh, into the last lap. I did a few attacks and then it came down to a sprint that I led out. And then I messed up the final corner and got kind of taken to the barrier, which meant I got third. Um, but I'm looking forward to going back next year to to try and, yeah to try and improve improve my result but it was cool it's the the first kind of event like that in the UK kind of mass start fast paced gravel and it looks like next year there will be a lot more of that with the with the UCI coming on board and making this kind of gravel series so I'm interested to see to
0: see what that'll look like yeah I think that'll be really cool so you did your first road nationals in Lincoln in October how did it feel to be part of that event?
1: It was cool. It was, it was a pretty late decision, actually, just like a week or two before it. I, we were working out at the start of my cross season and uh, there was an opportunity to go and race the British Nationals. So I got added to the team and we kind of tweaked my training around it. And, yeah, I was going into it, I was just looking forward to a big day out. I knew it would be hard from the start, from what I'd been told. It, there was going to be a lot about the positioning. The climb would be super important, but then the rest of the circuit is super hard as well. So I knew it would be just a big solid day out. I think I can't remember. It was 13 laps or something of of the cobbled climb. So um, And on the morning of the race, it was pretty cold and raining. So that was another aspect that probably suited me, actually. Um, so, yeah, I learned loads. I had good legs, so I was kind of in the somewhat of the front of the race, not the very front that I, I got around. So um, I think that shows that maybe there's a bit more of the road stuff to come maybe maybe next mm. year.
0: So we were all really excited to see you back on the cross bike in Rudervord last month, starting at the back of the grid and finishing 18th. How did you find being back out in Europe racing cross?
1: Yeah, felt very familiar which i think is a good thing like uh very quickly it's all the same people the same places that you're driving to so it's it's good it's like the more unknowns and the more familiar it is, the more you can just focus on the racing so uh, in that respect it was good just to get right back in it and it's the course i've done twice before and yeah it was yeah it was really good and a good race to start from yeah i was i was at the back of the grid but for the first race I was still kind of working out the bikes and feeling how the shape was and it's it's always hard going into your first race because you you can't replicate a sort of course race in training you just have to do your best and mm-hmm. and be fit and and work on your skills but the skills and stuff in the race are always so different from training so you just have to that's always what I say to people who message me about getting better or about training stuff and the main priority is the racing if you can race lots lots of different courses lots of different people so if you go to a slightly different part of the country you'll race different you'll race different riders which is really important and the amount that you learn from that is is yes yeah, is so it's so valuable and so yeah just very quickly back into it just that kind of race head you've just got to click back on and that weekend went Went really well for me, as for my first for my first weekend back.
0: The following day you did Zonhoven World Cup finishing 17th elite and fourth under 23. That's an incredible result. Were you pleased with your form for the first two races? And did you expect to be riding so well?
1: Um, I think I had even after Rudderborder, where I got 18th and I rode through the field, I realized that. Nothing had really left. Uh, I messaged my coach after the race. And I said, like, nothing has changed. Like, I am still a saddlecross rider or something like that. Like, just little things from the race. that I realized, like, nothing has changed since my injury. I'm still the exact same rider, if not better, from what I was a year ago. So, yeah, it was just a realization of, of, of that. And the next day also in the sand in Zonhoven. It's always a course I've not struggled on, but it's quite an intimidating course with the sand, with the big drops, um, with the big ruts. It's, it's a really high-speed course as well. The lap is only kind of six minutes, so it, it comes around very quickly. And to be able to do a, a good performance in in Zonhoven as well was just like, right, something's obviously working um, for me to be at this close to the front of the race. And... It's nice just to, yeah, the goal is always just to be as close to the front as possible. And that's what I'm we're working on in training and all of this. But you never know until you actually get into it. So it's a good little reward for for all the kind of, yeah, the hard work there.
0: And how did you feel going back to Overizer after it ending your 2020-21 season?
1: Yeah, Overizer the next week, I wasn't mentally to stressed about it's a it's a course I've done well on in the past uh last the last time I was there I crashed about 20 meters into the race so it was what it was like it was nothing to do with the course it was just some rider just kind of I think they slipped their pedal and uh and then I just crashed over top of them but this year uh it was a super muddy addition uh quite a lot in the field and then during the race uh it rained even more so the mud was yeah, the main aspect along with the how hilly that hilly that track is.
0: And then you got an incredible result of finishing ninth elite and second and 23. You got another second in a muddy Koppenberg and finished behind Pim Ronha. That's such an iconic race. How did you feel about the course?
1: Yeah, I was quite nervous for that one actually. I'd just come off the back of that ninth place at the World Cup. Um so I didn't really sleep much the night before um Koffenberg. And I also knew it was a U23 race. So there was this opportunity to really be at the front of the race. Um so yeah, but I also had in the back of my mind that like it the Koffenberg is literally it's just all about the course. It's about how hard it is, about how steep the climb is. So I wasn't too worried about my kind of competitors. I was just kind of focusing on what needed to be done, which is you have to ride up the Cockenberg like six times and there's loads of mud and there's running sections and all this, there's there's a lot to focus on. So um, I wasn't too stressed. Once the race got going, it's, it's the same every weekend. Like once the whistle goes and you get going, then I, I'm not really thinking about much. Um, it's all the bits before that, which are, yeah. You, you just waste your energy on, you just need to be chilled with. But um, yeah, during the race, I was just yeah, in my own head riding my own race. And I was just naturally at the front with Pim and he had me on a few sections and I was stronger than him on a few sections. And it was just kind of like tuning and throwing the whole thing. And in the end it was only kind of five, six seconds, but it showed that I could ride at the front. Um, I still feel like I could have won that race if I'd kind of paced it a bit differently. And um, on a course like that, that's so hard, a gap like five, six seconds isn't that big. Um, you can lose that with one mistake or you can you can lose that with just one bad section. So um, yeah, it could have been the other way around. It wasn't. Um, yeah, things went the way they went. Um, and yeah, the second place actually just made me hungrier kind of for the, for the next one after.
0: You mentioned about there being a separate under 23 race. Do you prefer it when you have your own race or when you're racing with the elites?
1: Um, they're just different. They, they take quite different approaches. When it's with the elites, you know you're probably not going to be racing for the win. So there's a lot of kind of... There's always someone to race, actually, as well, though. So one week it could be this person, one week it could be this person, just because the field is that much more deep. Uh, whereas with the U23 the field isn't as deep you know there's only kind of a few favorites but then it's good to have that opportunity with with COVID last year a lot of the U23 specific races were cancelled so I raced all season in the in the elites so it's good to have those opportunities again this year.
0: The sixth place in the under 23 euros in an incredibly tight race It was amazing to watch, and we were at home cheering you on, hoping for a podium. How do you think the race went for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, overall, it it went badly. Uh, I was hoping for more, but as you say, it was super close. So the kind of the differences between each place were super tight. If it had been a sixth place on a different course, then it would have been, that would have been fine depending on how it went, but sixth place on this, it was super close. And, um, I, I don't think I had the legs to win on that course. Uh, I could, maybe I've got a podium, but just the way that the course was laid out and the way that we raced it, it was super explosive. And, um, when the pace was on, you had to be really on. And I don't think I quite had that top end on the day. Um, I also made too many mistakes. I, yeah, when I got to the front, I would crash. And when I was in the group, I would be in bad position and things like this. So it wasn't, there was a lot to think about in the race and I didn't really race with my head. And that's something I learned for the next week, which was Tabor, Uh, because on these super fast courses with so many guys in play, um, depending on, yeah, depending on the course and who's there, you can really waste a lot of energy And you need all that energy for when the race is, is full gas. So I think I showed that on the, on the stream that I was strong and I was closing gaps and I was pushing the pace, but I never really had enough to really kind of drop, drop the others. And the guys said, after me, like I, that I chatted to that, like when they were in the wheel, it was super hard. Like they could feel the race splitting, but it was never just like quite enough to, to push it on. And I'm glad I tried. And like, If I had not done anything and not tried and got fourth place, uh, then yeah, I would have been more disappointed than if I tried and got sixth place like I did. So, yeah, I yeah, if I had, I I think I had the legs for a podium. So if I'd played it with my head, that could have been possible. But uh, it just it didn't work out that way on the day.
0: You got a podium at Tubbo and it seemed like another really close race. Did it feel like that in the race?
1: Yeah, I didn't have the best start. So I spent the first kind of half of the race riding through to get back to the front group. Uh, But once I got there, I could feel like within the front group, the pace wasn't super high. It was just different riders going hard at different points in the track. So I just knew I had to kind of wait a little bit and, I waited and arguably I waited too long uh, because Anton Ferdinand and Maze Hendricks kind of slipped off the front when I was in kind of bad position. And by the time I got to the front, I had a kind of 10, 15 second gap to close all on my own because uh, all the people on my wheel were either Dutch or Belgian. So it was kind of all on me. So I spent the last kind of lap and a half real chasing hard and I got it to within about kind of five, six seconds at that point, I dropped everyone apart from Ryan Camp, who was still on my wheel, and he outsprinted me for second. And Anton Ferdinand crashed in the final corner, which kind of gifted me kind of third place. Um, which, yeah, that's racing. Um, so, yeah, tactically, like I didn't have enough to win, but I put myself in a lot better position. Uh, one week earlier, I would have been yeah, down, down the field a little bit, making bad decisions and making mistakes and stuff. Whereas I rode uh, I rode Tabor a lot smarter and with my head.
0: And the boards are famously uphill at Tabor and I can never believe how fat they are. Um, do they seem thicker to you than other boards and were you bunny hopping them?
1: Yeah, so they're really wide in Tabor because... There's like an LCD kind of advertisement board. So there's lots of like electronics in there as well. So they're about maybe, yeah, 10 centimeters actually like wide on top. So there's quite a lot of area to actually put your tires on top on. Um, So that actually helps with the bunny hopping. The, The first hop is relatively easy because there's a bit of a banking to help you over. Whereas the second hop is like on a steep gradient and it's just that barrier there. So you normally you would kind of put your wheels up onto it to help you over. Whereas with a normal barrier, that's when you would kind of get a bit hooked up and you could go over the bars or something. So, um, yeah, I was, it's the first hurdles I've hopped since I, since last cross season. So it was nice to, uh, yeah, it was, it was nice to be back hopping the hurdles and at Tabor, it does make a considerable difference to the actual race. It never, it will never make you win, but it could make you lose. Um, if, because yeah, you lose quite a lot of time by having to run.
0: So you got sixteenth in the sand at Cider How did you like the course?
1: Yeah, so I've raced there twice before now, and the course has been pretty much the same every year. Um, yeah, they, the Belgians are quite good at being like religious with where they put every pole every year. It's always the same, um and with a course like that, it makes a difference because even just a little bit of a change could make it super harder or a lot easier. So the course is, yeah, it's always the same. And yeah, I think the type of rider I am now with the kind of techniques I have, the course does suit me because it's, it's quite polarized in how there's some really easy bits, but there's some really hard bits. So that kind of suits me in, in that respect. So um, I, before the race, I was pretty nervous, like, when you practice on a course like that, it never really feels good. Like it's, it's such a hard track to ride just normally, even to just do an easy lap. Your heart rate will be through the roof. You'll be making mistakes, all of this. Like it's, it never feels great until you actually race it and you race it at race speed. Um, Yeah. a course, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like Tabor, you could ride around for fun and it would actually be quite fun. Whereas, if you're not riding well in the sand or you're just, if you're not going hard enough in practice, it doesn't feel good. So I was a bit like, oh, nervous. Like, oh, am I really prepared enough? And all this, all these doubts. But once you get to the race, you don't think, you just do. So you just follow the rider in front of you through the sand, through the sections. And and once you get into the race, as I said before, like it's, it's fine. So it, it worked out well.
0: What do you have coming up for the rest of the season? And do you have any goals?
1: Yeah, so I'm about to go on training camp uh, for a week and a half with Trinity Road Racing. So that'll hopefully, yeah, help with my fitness for the next part of the, of the season, which is a couple more World Cups and then it's the Christmas period, which for me, I think I will do four or five races. And then I will do another training camp um, just after the national championships at the start of January. And that will hopefully get me ready for world championships. Um, so that's the kind of main goal of the season is Worlds uh, at the end of January, start of February. Kind of next to that is 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 Nationals and then also all the other World Cups. Um, and yeah, I want to win a World Cup. So that there's a lot to, yeah, there's still a few more opportunities to do that and some courses that are going to suit me. Um but the main goal being being world champs in, in the end of January.
0: And there's also the national champs in Crawley. Is this a venue that you've raced before?
1: No, but I've heard it's a proper deep mud fest type thing. So depending on what the weather is going to be like. Um, yeah, I think I probably if it's going to be a real, real muddy race, I need to maybe work on my running a bit. Um, apart from that yeah I'm I'm looking forward to it. it's always nice to race back in the UK and the nationals are are super cool because riders like Tom Pidcock and stuff yeah you get to race against them one-on-one so that's going to be really exciting and now that he's on Ineos it's a new kind of dynamic and yeah he goes from being my teammate to being a competitor um, which is pretty exciting.
0: Here's a few quick questions for you. What's the course you're most looking forward to riding this season or have you already ridden it? Uh,
1: Overizer is probably my favourite course, which we rode a couple of weeks ago. And then also the World Championship course in Fayetteville. Um, yeah, just exciting to, to see what a new course is going to be like.
0: Have you been to America before and have you raced there before?
1: No, I if I had, it would have been for kind of mountain bike racing. They have two World Cups there. But no, I'm, I'm looking forward to that aspect too. I think Worlds is always a different race, just the feeling of it, but a World Championships in America is something special again. So there'll be some bad aspe- aspects to that, but some also really cool special aspects. So looking mm. forward to it.
0: Tom, Wout well, uh, and Matthew uh, haven't started their cross season yet. How do you see that battle going and are you excited to be a part of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'll, I'll be in the same race, but I won't directly be a part of their battling. Um, I think that there's a lot of hype around it, um, but they've all had very different kind of approaches to it. Mathieu has come off the back of an injury at the end of the road season. Tom has also come off injury. Wout has come off like a whole Tour de France and other things. So, And they all have different goals and different programmes. So... It's kind of, they're going to be overlapping a lot, but it's when the form and when the goals, when they all overlap. I think that race will be Worlds, um, will be the kind of one big one. Uh, but before then, there will be yeah, plenty of battles mm. and some courses that will suit one rider, some another. So um, I think the hype is definitely deserved.
0: Is there a rider that's really surprised you so far this season with their
1: form? Um, in cyclocross, I mean, Izerbitt is, is is impressive what he's doing every week. He's basically win, winning almost every race. Vanderhaar has been a not a surprise really because he's always had that capability, but it's really cool to see him back at the top, and it's nice to see a European champs jersey with someone different. It's not Vanderpol. Um, or is a bit so it's yeah it's nice to I think it's good that there's loads of these jerseys national champions european champions um, in the front of cross races
0: and is there anyone you think we should all be keeping an eye on as a rising star
1: uh, a bit closer to home rory Maguire and karen Car anderson are getting some really good races in uh, hopefully they can race more world cups this season they're still first and second year U23, so they have loads of time to to come up through and, and gain experience. And it's only a matter of time before they get noticed by by the big teams because, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: where British Saddlecross is at at the moment, people are interested, people are looking what Tom has done, what Anake is doing. Yeah, people know that we create good cross riders and it's only a matter of time before before they they get noticed too.
0: Thank you so much, Cam, for coming back on to chat with me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you to Cam for coming back onto the podcast. It was incredible to hear how much has happened to him since we last spoke. And thanks to Cam for being so open with me about how his injuries affected him both mentally and physically. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Cam. You can find all of my episodes and my original episode with Cam on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, my Buzzsprout website, and all the usual podcast places. Check out my Instagram account at cycling.talk.podcast for loads of great additional content, and also check out Cam's Instagram at cameroonie.mason. Don't forget to share the podcast with your friends. See you on the bike.